Luke chapter 8, we'll be looking at verses 4 through 15. Luke chapter 8, 4 through 15. While you're turning there, I'll just share a little bit about what I experienced growing up in Iowa. I grew up in the northern part of Iowa where we had several farmers uh, around us, but I have to admit that I did not take into consideration a very important secret about Iowa that I did not understand until I married a farmer's daughter. (laughs) There are so many things I could go (laughs) go with that after that, but the one item that I never really appreciated was the black, rich soil of Iowa until Marty drew it to my attention. All the time I was growing up, it was just dirt. But she talked about how wonderful it is and all the great ways of being able to grow things and to do the things of a garden. And that's come in handy for me to understand such things as what we'll talk about today when Jesus gave a parable to those who are listening to him. Let's read our passage and then we'll uh, get into what Jesus talked about in regard to that parable. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, and some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and with it and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now this parable is this, and he explains, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away. And as for that that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience." Father, as we take opportunity to spend some time in this parable that was shared with the multitude and explained to the few disciples who were curious to know what it meant, Father, I pray that as we look at the soil of our own hearts, that we will look for those things that might be distracting us from accomplishing what the recent song Challenge us to do, to allow our hearts to be broken up so your word would come in and do its work, so that we might be able to take your word and be able to live in a way that you would desire us to live. And Father, I ask that as we unfold this parable, that we'll have a better understanding of what the life 
and time of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what it meant to be a true follower. And as we embark on this topic of following Christ, that we might recognize what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to make a disciple? That we would be encouraged and challenged from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How is your heart? It's all about, really, the soil. And it's not about the seed or the sower, but it's really about the condition of that which is receiving the seed. And Jesus wanted to make sure that not only did they understand that, he would explain to them the value of a parable, kind of a mystery to us, as well as explain the meaning of that particular parable that he uses to explain why he's using parables. But let's look at our passage as we look, first of all, at the mystery of the parable. I highlighted a few items here. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. Jesus had a large audience. It's emphasized by the fact that it is a great crowd, And it's emphasized by the fact people were coming from town after town to be able to hear what Jesus was saying. Now, we'll get an idea that Jesus is a little concerned about why they are coming to hear what he has to say. And whether they really had ears to listen or not. And he explains that he's going to use a parable while he's talking to these, uh, this great crowd. Let me take time to talk about what the word parable actually means. This Greek words have two different words combined together, uh, alongside and throw. Okay? Clears it all up, doesn't it? Okay? Well, this will help even further. Those of you that are math students, uh, parabola. Okay? Now you know what a parabola is. Here's the nice uh, Merriam-Webster's definition. A plane curve generated by a point moving so that its distance from a fixed point is equal to its distance from a fixed line. All clear now, isn't it? (laughs) Now you guys know what a parable is because you know what a parabola is. Well, let me just try to illustrate it for you this way. Uh, Again, it's that thrown alongside concept. From what I understand of a parabola, it's basically uh, something that would start at one point, and if you took that point and made a line straight up from where that point is, that parabola goes up one side, same distances as it does on the other side. So you have this little sharp pointy U kind of thing if it's an opened upward parabola. And if it's opened down, it kind of looks like a U that got tipped over. Okay, Uh, But that is what a parabola is because they're saying that it's what's going on on this side is going on this side. And if you took that line, you fold them over, they would meet each other because of the same distance. And why that is significant is Jesus is giving an account. And it's so hard to describe what a parable is because it comes in a lot of different packages. You could call it a parable. I mean, you call it a metaphor. Or you could call it a simile. Or you could call it a word picture. Or you could say it's a long story. But sometimes a parable was a little short statement. So essentially what 
Jesus is doing is he's saying one thing on this side that people relate to from a physical perspective in their lives, like a sower who's sowing seed. And on the other side, he has a spiritual truth that, in a sense, mirrors that. But for this particular case, some people are going to get it, and some people aren't. Okay? Just like some of you aren't getting what I'm talking about right now in regard to the parabola. Okay. But, but the idea is it's being thrown alongside. If it helps some of you that are a little sports-minded, it's like that uh, bocce ball. You throw the ball out and you throw the other one and try to hit it. Kind of a deal. It's coming alongside. It's got one meaning of, of physical truth that people can identify. And it's got another meaning of spiritual truth that only those whose hearts are open to understanding what God is talking about, will get. That's why it's called a parable. That's why it's a mystery. And we'll see what Jesus goes on to say next as he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He is stating to this multitude that he believes that some will hear it and some will not. Some will hear it to heed it, okay, and some will hear it just simply to say, oh, okay. And you can understand why this is happening in the history of Jesus, because as he started teaching and working with people, individuals were coming to him, and sometimes were coming not for the purpose to better understand, but to try to trip him up and try to argue with him. Uh, even to the point of uh, accusing him of casting out demons by Beelzebub. And that the, the ministry of Jesus then moves from maybe some more direct statements to speaking in parables because there are this crowd that maybe the reason they're there is because they want to see a miracle or maybe they want to be fed, or they want to have something they can tell their kids, or something they can tell their grandkids, but their hearts, their soil of their life, really isn't ready to listen to the Word and to allow it to have fruit in their life. So he explains to them this, that there are going to be those who do not get it, but to them... And this is, again, after the parable, so you have, you have to kind of skip a little bit, but I want to explain this point. He says, after he gives the parable, he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. The point of the parable is the mystery. And those who are curious about the mystery will do just the same thing that the disciples did when they came along Jesus and said, explain to us the parable. We want to know what this means. And in a sense, Jesus is giving them that invitation. If you have ears to hear, listen, hear, get it. If you don't, come to me, and I'd be glad to explain it to you. But he wants to deal with those whose hearts are really interested in the Word of God, have an impact in them, not just being a part of the crowd part of the popular thing that is going on, part of what others are doing, just so they'd have something to tell their kids or grandkids, I saw Jesus do X, Y, or Z, but that they were actually able to know this was the word of God and this impacted my heart. So that's the mystery of the parables, as it was given out, not so that everyone would understand, but that everyone would have an opportunity to be hungry to understand. And then he gives 
a parable to explain why he uses parables, if that makes sense. And that's why this first parable is so critical to helping us understand how Jesus interacted with his disciples. As he goes on to say, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And this goes a lot with what the Old Testament talked about, is that uh, many of the people were not going to be responding to the Word of God. That had been a, a kind of a historical event, that the Word was broadcast and people were not believing it. Uh, the thought that comes to my mind is when Lazarus, the story about Lazarus and the bosom of Abraham and the rich man who was not, and he says to, uh, he says, would you send Lazarus to tell my brothers? And he said, even if someone was raised from the dead, they would not believe. Why? The soil. The soil was not ready, and it was not receptive to it, no matter what we did in regard to that. So let's just look at uh, the emphasis that he has now on the actual message. He gives, this is the part of the parabola or the parable that everyone can understand. In that particular time, they would have understood the agricultural terms that Jesus is using. He's using the term of a sower. A sower that would take seed and he would spread it out. Now, the sower of that time is a lot different than what we have today. Marty and I were coming back from Wellman uh, yesterday, and we had the privilege to uh, follow a slow-moving vehicle that happened to have a planter on the back. We, uh, Marty was pointing out that's a four-row planter and how this does that, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But uh, where would I ever use that? Oh, I'll use it in a message. But, uh, but, the, but the point is, is that this planter was very particular, in other words, it was designed that everything would be specifically so much apart from each other. And it even had these things on the side that would come down to help them when they turned around to be able to make sure they started in the right place. Because that's how we plant in Iowa. We don't just take the seed and throw it all over the place. But that's how they did it in the time when Jesus was there. And so when he gave the parable on the side of everyone relating to it, he talked about a sower who would take and throw the seed, recognizing that the seed was going to hit on those areas that might be fruitful, and the seed might hit on those places where it is not. Okay, And to recognize that that throwing is an action to spread the seed evenly. Now, I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, but I have seen my share of weddings. And when I think of that young couple, as they get done with the reception and they're ready to get in their getaway car to go on to their honeymoon, they usually make them run the gauntlet. You know what the gauntlet is. Uh, you take, and now today's, they don't throw rice because it'll kill the birds or whatever, but they have the bird seed, okay, and they give it to you in this little bag. And your job is to take the bird seed out of the bag, put it in the palm of your hand, so when the couple comes through, you are sowing the seed, realizing some of the seed is going to land on the couple and a lot of it is going to end up on the ground. And it's not going to make it to where you're going. That's the same concept. Now, there are those individuals who choose not to take it out of the bag. Just take it and wind up and throw it and hit the bride in the face. <laughs> you know who you are. Don't do that anymore, Okay. But the idea is, is to get the seed to go in various places realizing it's not always going to fall 
where you intended. That's what Jesus is saying. So you have the sower who's going to sow, and he's going to throw the seed. Uh, And so you have the sower, the seed, and then you have the four soils. Now, from what I understand, as I read, that the way in which they set up their um, plots is that they didn't have the big machinery like we have, so they had to have ways in which they could get around to the various areas. So there's a lot of these pathways that go through. So that would create some situations where the soils would be, some would have hard-packed area, and some would be that which has been tilled up for the purpose of being able to uh, throw the seed. But that inevitably, some of that would go in areas. Also uh, discovered is that uh, when it talks about the rocky ground, it's not talking about basically soil that has a bunch of rocks in it. Instead, it's talking about soil that looks pretty good, but down so far, there's that rocky aspect, okay? Because uh, a good farmer would not just sit there and leave rocks in his field, right? He would take out all the ones he could find. But then there would always be that situation where down below where you typically plow, there's going to be some layer of rock. And that's what it's talking about in regard to that rocky soil. And then, of course, the same thing with the thorns is that more than likely, they've, they've cut down and they've tried to till out all the thorns, but they have that remnant of thorns that might be up underneath the ground, and it's there. So that kind of explains what the people at that time on this side of the parable would be seeing as they heard him talk about the sower, the seed, and the soils. But he also talks about some impacts. He talks about the impacts of some birds. He talks about the impact of uh, more so in the Mark account of about the sun uh, and how that impacts and also the impact of, of the thorns. And then you have results. And he talks about the four results. The first one, it doesn't grow at all because it gets picked off by some birds and they take the seed and it's gone. It doesn't go anywhere. The second one starts growing right away, but it's shallow. And because it's shallow... When the sun comes out and it dehydrates because it doesn't have enough water, doesn't have the roots to go down far enough, it's going to wither away. And the third soil, because it has those uh, uh, little thorns and such like that, and, and according to the fall, we know from Genesis chapter 3, that the thing that's going to grow best in your garden is what? The weeds, right? And I can't figure out why we just can't appreciate the weeds and grow them. Because <laughs> it would be a lot easier. Uh, but people want to have flowers instead and all that. And I just, I mean, some of these weeds are pretty. But anyway, <laughs> Creeping Charlie, I mean, it's cool. But yeah, anyway. Um, so, so you have these uh, different results, and you actually have also the one that hits the soil where it was intended, where God would intend for his seed to go. That would be where the sower wants it to go, to hit that soil where it can actually bear fruit and multiply it multiple times and so that the fruit is in abundance. And that's the whole point of sowing. The point of sowing isn't so that you can find where all the rocky areas or where the hard place is or where the thorns are. It's to see the fruit. That is the part that the multitude heard. And they would have that story and who knows what they did with that. It reminds me of uh, my English class when we did poetry and everyone had to get an idea. What was the poet saying? 
And I always hated that class because I don't know. He's talking about stuff that doesn't make sense. And everyone has their own idea and their own interpretation. The thing about a parable is there is only one true other side, one true spiritual truth. But I wonder how many of those that after heard that story about the parable went home to tell their family, what would you learn from Jesus? Um, Some seeds make it, some don't. You know? Because that's all they really understood. And and what do you think? Well, I think uh, Jesus is, I don't know. Maybe he's going to quit doing this stuff and be a farmer. I, I don't know. You know, because the blindness of just only having one side of the parable or parabola. Wherein now the disciples, they ask him, so what does this mean? And he's explained to them, you are the ones that your hearts are in such a position, you are able to understand the mysteries of all the things that are written in the Old Testament that talk about the kingdom. And now I'm going to talk about the kingdom of heaven in parables, but you're going to get it, wherein many people won't. But he gives them the story, uh, a meaning of this message of the parable. Uh, Just quickly to summarize, the path was trampled and and eaten by birds, the rock dehydrated and withered, the thorns crowded and choked, and the good grew fruitful. But what is the meaning? Well, Jesus tells them flatly, the seed is the word of God. You cannot make the seed anything else in this story. There's only one other side of this. This is the word of God. This is the word of God that is going out by the sower. Interestingly, we're not told who the sower is. It doesn't say, and the sower is me. He just says, there's a sower. He doesn't explain who the sower is. I believe ultimately the sower is God, right? He gives us the word of God, so he is the sower. But I think also we are the sowers, if you would. That we are responsible for taking the word and making sure that it's available to the hearts that might be out there. And it's not ours to judge which heart is going to be receptive and which one isn't. Our job is to share, share the word. So he tells us what the word of God is. It's a seed. And the soil is therefore the heart conditions. And this is very critical for us to understand is that Jesus is clarifying, why am I using parables? Because I know that there are hard hearts out there. I know that there are shallow hearts out there. I know that there are crowded hearts out there. And as a result, I'm throwing the seed in a parable and seeing who, who has a desire to really hear, who really wants to listen. And then he has the impacts, which I would see as adversaries. And I, I, I see this in mine, maybe you see it as well, as I see those, those enemies that we have in the, that are described in the Scripture. You have the enemy of, the, of Satan, the devil, you have the enemy of your own flesh, and you have the enemy of the world. We are constantly battling those three enemies. No matter how you move forward in your walk and following Christ, these are the adversaries that we will have. And I believe I can see them in the parable of the sower. Uh, The results are their response to the word. No other way to be able to apply this Jesus has told us this is the spiritual side of it. This is our response. This is how we are responding or how they are responding to the Word of God. And he goes on to describe them. And I'll just take a time to, uh, to, to express how that this 
plays out in regard to those who are hearing the word and whether they have ears to hear or whether they don't. The first would be that pathway, right? He says they're hardened hearts. They are ones that are not willing to listen, and it's very easy for Satan to come in and pluck it away. As Satan is desirous to do that, Satan would love to have our ears be plugged and our heart to be hard. Do not hear the Word of God. We are in a nation where it probably is very difficult not to see some kind of semblance of the gospel in some fashion, whether it's on a billboard or whether seeing something on TV that would give you an idea, even if it be as simple as a football player having some things on the black of his eye to cause you to be curious to say, I wonder what that means, and to Google it and find out. The, the, the capacity of our society today to be able to know or to be curious about Jesus Christ is great. But yet, how many are curious? How many ears out there aren't willing to hear? How many hearts are hardened and they don't care what they see as, as truth in the world? They don't care about the testimonies they've heard. They don't care about what the Word of God says. Their hearts are hardened, and it's very easy for Satan to come in and through that temptation to take that out of their, their minds and keep them from being able to grow with the Word of God. The second area is that of a shallow heart. As I mentioned, the rock wouldn't be necessarily evident, but it would be down below. And this is true too. There are individuals who will gladly get excited about what's going on with God what's going on in their life. And you see this in many situations where individuals will grasp on quickly to the idea that what Jesus has to offer is great. Uh, Whether it be that Jesus is going to make your life easier, Jesus is going to make you happy, Jesus is going to be the answer to your issues, and that idea that I can grasp this with joy. Well, quite frankly, there should be some joy, but that isn't the only emotion that comes with really receiving Christ. That there is some remorse to recognize that our sins were responsible for putting them on the cross and recognizing what He has done on our behalf to allow us to go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. There's a whole lot of emotions that are there. And we understand that through being a child of God and being a follower of God, there are going to be some difficulties. The sun is going to come out. And the sun is going to bring some heat And if we do not have deep roots, we will wither. And we will not be able to retain those truths. And our flesh will go against that because the trials have overcome us and we are not receiving the word. A third item is the crowded heart, where our treasures, the things of the world, The things that the world has to offer are competition to what God is offering us in His Word. And as a result, that crowds out. And it may not be evident at first, but as we continue to move forward in our walk and in our following Christ, we recognize that that as we try to have one foot with the world and one foot with Christ, that it doesn't work out well. That the issue is that uh, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot allow that to, we cannot grow under those type of situations. So that's the meaning of the parable. And we know that the context of this is for them to accept the truth of the gospel, to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
And these soils that are, are contaminated, if you would, the hard, packed pathway, the rocks underneath the soil, the thorns that are in, in there that keep us from being able to listen to the Word, uh, that these items all reflect the fact that our heart is not like this last heart, a receptive heart, where the soil has been prepared for that seed of the word. Several years ago, we had a situation at our property in Gilbert, and it'll be confusing trying to figure out where we actually live. Sometimes we don't know. Um, but that's our, our home that uh, we hope to be able to sell. But the situation was this. We had our driveway, and next to our driveway was a a graveled portion that went right up to our driveway and came all the way up to the to the parking area of our neighbors. And we realized it was kind of odd that we had a driveway and they had a driveway that butted up against ours. And then we found out that a lot of their drive was on our property, okay? And we wanted to have some kind of uh, differentiation, you know, like some green space between us, okay? So we had to do some interesting things. Uh, we dug out a lot of rock, and we had to dig down deeper than what the, the grass would be so we could have some soil. Then we brought in, we had this compost full of uh, stuff that we've been saving. We didn't know why we were doing it. We just kept on throwing leaves in there and year after year, and, and now we had that, and we mingled it with some soil, and we put it on there and put grass seed on it. And now we've got this green space. It's only about this far, but it's between us and them, right? Uh, it's about as good as a fence right now. Uh, but it kept them from driving on our driveway over onto the gravel and et cetera. But the idea was that there was some preparation that needed to be done with the heart. And I want to close our time together as we look at this last point of what is the ministry of this parable? If you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, these hindrances have not been there. You have received the word. You have come to know Christ as your Savior. Satan hasn't plucked it out. It hasn't been choked out by the, the thorns or the thistles or the weeds. Or it hasn't been burned out by the sun because it's too shallow. You've received it. You have fulfilled it. You have ears to hear. But are there some times where we, this is applicable to us, even as children of God, where our hearts may not be ready and that the flesh and Satan and the world is having impact. I want to just close with just a few applications. First of all, is that we have this opportunity to really attack the plan that Satan has to keep us from growing with the Word of God. And one of those areas is the area of bitterness. I think it's interesting when, when, uh, when Paul is talking to the people of Ephesians, he says, Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. In that in our experiences in life, there are times where Satan can come in with a root of bitterness and can keep us from being able to take the clear word of God and allow us to grow. And I exhort us, when we think about what our soil is, as we're preparing our hearts, that we make sure that we get rid of bitterness. And God has given us that truth of how that we can pursue forgiveness and how that we can take care of relationships. A second area that Satan seems to really attack us is in the areas of our pride. And I'm, I'm amazed at the, how First Peter 5 has information that sometimes we take and pick different elements of it, and we 
fail to realize they're all together. The first part of 1 Peter 5 talks about humbling ourselves before the sight of the Lord. Uh, then it goes on to uh, uh, verse 7 and says that uh, we ought to uh, uh, cast our care upon the Lord for He cares for us. Then verse 8 he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And uh, putting those all together, we recognize that one of the areas that he devours us is because we're not willing to cast our care upon God, but instead in our pride, we hang on to things that God had never intended for us to hang on or believe things that God had not intended us to believe that keep us from having hearts that are free from Satan and he's there to devour us. A second area as we look at our enemy number two is that of our flesh, is that it's so tempting when things get hard to turn away from God and not want to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord and not recognizing what James is encouraging us in regard to the trials that we experience and how that uh, Paul is telling us that the, that the harshness or the challenges or the sufferings of this present world will not compare to the eternity that he has planned for us and to recognize that part of being a child of God is to experience those sun times where the sun beats down on us and the question is how far are we digging our roots down into the grace of God and recognizing how much he loves us even when things are hard and then the uh, the third thing is just recognizing that we do have some weeds of materialism and how Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 he challenges us not to allow our treasure to be those things that which are so temporal that we get so caught up in it. And he does say, we cannot serve both God and money. We can't allow the things that this world has to offer to be more important to us than what God has given to us in the form of his promises of his word and what he has planned for us. And so as we think about the, the ministry of the parable, we not only have that encouragement of what our soil is in our own heart, what are some things that God might be challenging us in regard to where we are with our heart? Have we allowed Satan to have a foothold in certain areas? Have we allowed our flesh to rule rather than the Spirit of God? Or have we allowed the world to have an impact that, that uh, keeps us from leaning and depending on, on Christ? But I also ask the question of, of what about us as sowers? Have we taken up that responsibility that we are the ones that God has placed on this earth. He didn't give this challenge to angels. Uh, he hasn't chosen to just simply broadcast his word from the heavens. He's chosen to use us as sowers. He's chosen to allow us the privilege of being able to scatter the seed. And for us to recognize that there are times when we have individuals we care a great deal about. And we would love for their hearts to be ready to receive the seed. But we recognize that's something we don't control. We control instead, are we sharing the seed? Are we sharing the word of God? And that are we letting God use that? As Paul said, really in a defense to make sure that we didn't get caught up with who we're following. But he gave us a great truth when he says, there are some that plant, there are some that water but it's God who gives the increase. And for us to recognize that we have a responsibility to sow, uh, but it isn't always our responsibility to ensure that that grows in the heart of the other person. But it's not ours to judge. It's not ours to think, oh, that person's got good soil. That one doesn't. Our job is to be able to share the word of God. So are you a sower? Are you willing to take the word? 
And I just want to share this, is that there are so many times when we are so tempted to get more of the Word. And we could, if you want to use a visual and think of every time that we study the Word, we are getting more to put in that bag, okay? And you can imagine that farmer who says, I need some more seed, I need some more seed. So he goes and gets more seed, but he gets just more seed, and he gets more seed, and he doesn't take time to throw it out there. And as we study, and as we learn, why are we studying? Why are we learning? It's so that we can be better sowers, so that we can share the Word of God and see what God does with it, where the hearts are and how He will work in it. And then just finally is just what is impacting your soil. What is it that, that, that you are recognizing even today, saying, my heart has not been as open to the Word of God as it should be. And there are some things that are getting in the way of it. And you want God to help you be able to cultivate that soil so it would be one that would be fruitful and be able to provide uh, fruit that would be hundredfold and that the sower, the ultimate sower, would be thrilled and pleased with that fruit. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word and that uh, uh, you use me as a sower today to be able to sow forth your word. And it is your word. It's not my word. It's your seed. And uh, may we have ears to hear. May we have uh, an understanding of what might get in our way to keep us from having your word have the impact that you desire for us to have. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to have the word and to be able to know what is his saying and be able to use it to encourage others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.